I'm Rob. And I'm Nate. And welcome back to Rob and Nate Record a Podcast, continuing with our 2020 holiday uh, movies. So today's movie is uh, the 20th anniversary, not just of this movie, but of Nate and I actually meeting each other for the first time. We met in December uh, 2000, back in Knoxville, Tennessee, when we both saw this movie for the first time. Indeed. Yeah. Nate, first impressions seeing this movie? I don't know if I want to get right into them. Did you want to give kind of the background of, of how we came to see this movie? And, more importantly, what this movie is. Uh, well, this movie... Yeah, did I not <laughs> Not said. Wow. Yes, today we watched How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Well, uh, maybe you did say. The 2000 version, starring mm-hmm. Jim Carrey. As opposed um, to the 1966 animated classic. Uh, or the 2018 Benedict Cumberbatch version, both of course, as is this, based on the 1957 book by Theodore Geisel, otherwise known as Dr. Seuss. Yep. But as Nate alluded to, the circumstances under which we saw this, we were both missionaries for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, serving in the Tennessee Knoxville mission, and our mission president at the time brought the entire mission together, which is fairly unusual, and rented out a theater, and the entire mission went and saw How the Grinch Stole Christmas. The only movie, really, that I saw on my mission. Yeah. I mean, besides church productions, I assume. Indeed. So, but yeah, we we saw this movie in the theaters and uh, had skewed memories of first viewing of it, of it as a result of that, because... For those of you who are unfamiliar as as missionaries of the church, you don't partake in most media. So this was the only theatrical release we saw uh, in the duration of our missions. And it was just, you know, I'm obviously, I'm a movie guy. Rob's a movie guy. I think I'm probably more of a movie guy than Rob is, especially at that time. And it's freaking withdrawals, man. Yeah. It's like, I got got some stuff. This this was... uh, I don't know drug terms good enough for a good analogy to what this was, but I was I was just ecstatic to be seeing a movie, especially seeing a movie in the theater. Yeah. And I think all of us were, really. Yeah. Well, in the unique circumstances of everyone, you know, coming together, which is also fairly unusual in the mission. But yeah, Nate and I were aware of each other at that point. Uh, but this was the first time, that was the first time we actually met. So Nate and I now have officially been known each other for 20 years mm-hmm. and uh yeah good, right. good friendship okay. i think it was probably worth it yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. but back to tonight's movie uh how the grinch stole christmas nate's all-time favorite christmas movie absolutely <laughs> not yeah i mean i don't think anyone really needs us to give them a plot overview of how the grinch stole christmas the grinch is a grinch who steals Christmas? There's Christmas going down in Whoville. Yep. Uh, he wants to stop it, but he has a change of heart. And there's Cindy Lou Who. And there's Cindy Lou Who. Yes. I don't know. How do you want to jump into this? I like this movie. Um, I'm fond of this movie. I still think it's okay. It's not a great movie. I don't know if I would even consider this a Christmas classic. It's nothing. It still doesn't compare to the original animated. Nothing does. No. But. You know, for what it is, I think it's it's well done. Uh, I actually think Ron Howard did an okay job with this film. We're going to have to jump into a, a number of topics which we will agree or disagree on to, to various extents at this point. 
one question I asked Nate much earlier tonight that we intentionally didn't answer until we were recording is without getting into the should you or should you not make live action remakes of children's animated, you know, basically Dr. Shoes, you know. It depends on the property. I think some of the Disney ones, that's been a mixed bag. Well, uh, specific, as far yeah. as Dr. Seuss goes, you probably shouldn't make live action Dr. Seuss. But that question aside, could you think of a better way this having been done better? Probably, yeah. Really? Yeah. How? I don't know if I could put a s- specifics on it, but I don't care for this thing. I've developed a respect for Ron Howard. And well, Ron his, Howard's solid. His, some of his movies, you know, the uh, popular response to them is kind of hit and miss. But he's somebody you kind of have to respect, and and I respect the effort that he put into this. I mean, they, I mean, the the sets they build, the the amount of development of characters and stories that they did, you know, from a short children's novel or That's the children's book. Yeah, it is the biggest. The problem. The biggest problem is that they're taking a picture book that is fifty nine pages that was perfect for a twenty two minute cartoon. And they're expanding this thing to 150 minutes. Yeah. It is extremely overstuffed. And all the filler is filler. It's crap. Uh, I don't think all of it is. I actually kind of like the scene, like, where Jim Carrey's, like, sitting in his cave in the mountain and, like, you know, checking his schedule to see if he can attend. I think that scene's pretty good. There's a couple other scenes that are okay. There's some good... I mean, Jim Carrey gives a Jim Carrey performance. It, yeah. it, it was kind of built around him. It's the kind of stuff we've seen him do in a, a lot of films. And was basically all that he was doing up to this point. I mean, yeah. I guess he'd already done The Truman Show. But this is the kind of thing that you associated with, with uh, from Jim Carrey, especially at this period. And it's fine. There's some good improvising. It's a good performance. It's amusing. But... I don't like this movie. This movie is grating. He's good. The girl is good who plays Cindy Lou. And everybody else annoys me. And even the Grinch annoys me at times. Did Max annoy you? Max was fine. Yeah. I actually feel bad for Max. Mm-hmm. Well, you're supposed to feel bad for Max. Yeah. But he can't quite match the Max from the Chuck Jones cartoon. Which is which is perfect. Which I mean, is that... why you don't need this thing. Yeah, I, I'd agree that for the most part... you. I mean... That is a classic. I can see why people would would want to try and remake it. Is it necessary? No. Mm-hmm. I know Nate hasn't seen the Benedict Cumberbatch version, but I actually prefer this to that version. Mm-hmm. At some point, I think you'll have to see it just mm-hmm. for comparison, but we'll see. We're going to talk a little bit about Dr. Seuss movies. We kind of got started on that and drifted away from it. But as I was saying, Dr. Seuss, children's books... Short little books with pictures. Yeah. Their best is a 22-minute animated cartoon. But they persist in continuing to attempt to force it to happen theatrically. And they don't work. This doesn't work. There was a cat in the hat done in a similar style. Doesn't work. It's pretty bad, if not worse than this film, what I've seen of it. Yeah. I worked as a cashier in an electronic section at R.C. Willie. And this was on, like, a loop and a DVD with, like, no sound. So I've never seen that movie, but I've seen that movie many times. Yeah, uh, just in bits and pieces, and that's bad. Uh, the 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 um, I haven't seen the Lorax movie. That looks bad. You know, we're getting into the computer animated ones. The the Benedict Cumberbatch, eh. The Horton Hears the Who was okay. That might be the best one. And this curse goes way right, way back to the beginning. It goes back to 1953, the first Doctor Seuss movie. Can you name it? 
I don't think I can. You can't, because it was not an adaptation of Dr. Seuss' book. It was written directly for the screen. It is The 5,000 Fingers of Dr. T, which is a curio, if ever there was one. Uh, it's not good. Yeah. But I would classify it as an interesting failure. It might be worth seeing, because it's just really strange. And, you know, Dr. Seuss was directly involved in its production, yeah. whereas he wasn't here. I, I think this film is largely a betrayal. It's a vulgarized version of a sweet, simple story that's just got too much wickety-whack crap in it. And I, I hated the who's. I, I hated the, the tone. I found it grating and annoying and just too loud and extremely 2000. Well, I think that was part of the point. Was to Yeah, be... that is part of the point. But it also, you know, the, the, so... And you kind of have to do this if you're expanding something. They add the mayor character because they need uh, yeah. a, an antagonist. And, you know, at the end of the, the, the original, the Who's are basically nonplussed by this. Yes. That's not the case here. Which and you kind of have a to do it. I can see why you'd do it. But it, it it's a different, ultimately it's kind of a different moral than, than the first one. To a limited extent, yeah, I can see what you're saying. I I actually think Ron Howard sticks reasonably well to the the message of the first one. There's a lot of gross out humor in this. There's kissing the dog butts and yeah. the weird casting of Christine Christine Baranski as the love interest, and she's very overly sexualized and yeah. she's kind of a different looking woman. And it's just there's a lot of odd choices in this. I I can, I'm not disagreeing with anything you're saying. But I still think overall it's it's I have a fond feeling towards the film. It's not like I said, it's not an all time classic, it's not my favorite Christmas movie, any of those types of things, but I don't despise it. Let's talk about the song. Which oh, Where the little girl Christmas? song? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She's not my favorite Cindy Lou Who. It was okay. I mean it was really popular. I thought at the she time. was good. And and I the, mean she's good. The, but... the song is good too. Yeah. The song is just a little shy of becoming a Christmas classic. The song to me is a little too cheesy. It is a cheesy song. I remember it was freaking on everywhere. I mean, oh, I yeah. was an LDS missionary and I heard this thing nonstop in 2000. And you know, it just it it it's the closest that I can think of off the top of my head to kind of a new Christmas classic song to come out, you know, in the last 20 years. Yeah. And again, I don't think it quite made it. It's not quite part of the Christmas songbook yet. When we were watching this and they were singing the uh, Dabu Dores, I can never get the, yeah. the words right, but I was thinking, you know what, they are revising the LDSM book. I say include it. Say <laughs> Dabu Dores, traditional Hoovian Christmas song. There's Nate's input. Did, you, did, you, did you email that in to the people no, down there? <laughs> There's a, there's an actual email. You can email suggestions to the people doing the hymn book. Mm -hmm. What was your first reaction to seeing this? Seeing it again. Yeah. No, no, no. Your first reaction to actually seeing this when we saw it in the theaters. Again, I liked it because I hadn't seen the movie in so long. And I was just glad to see it. Now, when did you rewatch it and start to despise it? So I rewatched it probably 2002, 2003. And I remember, just, and that might be the only other time I've seen it all the way through prior to today, and you know the original viewing. And I remember watching it again and just kind of hating it, and just being like, "This is just, I hate this. It's bad." My reaction to it today, and that, that's when I came in, kind of, I'm going to freaking hate this. 
And I would say that my reaction is in between the two showings. Yeah. I didn't hate it as much as I thought I would, and I think part of that is it has been so long that if I were to watch this in a year, I probably would really hate it. But because I hadn't seen it in almost, you know, in what, 17, 18 years, 16 years, it was tolerable. And I do think for all its... I mean, Jim Carrey gave the best Jim Carrey performance in this part that Jim Carrey could give. And I, it does make me wonder what this film would have been without him casting that part. Because so much of this is written around him and so much of this is improvisational or semi-improvisational that I'm just having a hard time imagining it with some of the other actors uh, that were considered for the part. Who, who else was considered for the part? Jack Nicholson. That would have not worked well. Yeah, I don't think that would have worked. No. Robin Williams. It would have been a very different beast. I'm kind of curious to see if that would have turned out, but part of what made this work was, I mean, I don't know how well you remember the, this, but after this came out in 2000, the, the, the stories about the physical torture Jim Carrey essentially put himself through between the makeup and the, the costume. That must have taken forever. It did, and I can I can actually look that up, but the physical torture he put himself through was a part of his performance, and I don't know that others would have put themselves through that. Jim Carrey is, uh, he's a method actor, as, yeah. as surprising as that is. So according to Rick Baker, the prosthetic makeup Jim Carrey wore took about two hours to apply and one hour to remove. It is remembered that Carrey felt so confined and uncomfortable in the latex skin that he sought counseling from a CIA agent who taught him torture resistance techniques. Wow. So, you know, again, it's, I'd have to look some of the stories up, but there was numerous stories in the early 2000s about how the the physical stuff that he was putting himself through in, in doing this became a factor in his performance. Well, you know, he also kind of put himself through a bunch of rough things at around this time. Yeah. Obviously, the Truman Show would have stretched him, as did the Majestic, and also Man on the Moon, where he was more... Uh, yeah. I think the psychology of becoming Andy Kaufman had left a mark. So Jim Carrey spent 92 days in Grinch makeup for this movie. Uh, each day spending two hours in the morning getting in and one hour in the evening getting out. I'm almost surprised it was only two hours. Yeah. I would have thought it would be longer. Yeah. Well, I mean, they obviously would have figured out some elements of scale and things like that. Um, according to Jim Carrey, he became a Zen master while sitting in the makeup chair. So the the set for this, the Whoville set, I mentioned this to you earlier while we were watching this, mm-hmm. was mostly built on the back lot of Universal Studios behind the Bates Motel. During a break in filming, Jim Carrey surprised and scared tourists on the Universal Backlot Tour by running out of the hotel wearing a dress and brandishing a knife. No one recognized him, and the tour guide at Universal Studios will tell you the story when you pass by the hotel on the Backlot Tour. Mm. And one other thing that we kind of talked about or referenced, both of us, there's the scene where the Grinch at his cave goes to pull the, the tablecloth off the table and then comes back and has to mess everything up. When they were filming that, when the Grinch pulls the sheet off the table, all the silverware was scripted to fall off with the sheet. But Jim Carrey pulled the sheet off so well that when nothing came off, he went back and ruined the table, yeah. including tipping over the table. Mm. Yeah, Those little moments work. The, the improvisations largely work. But it's all sketch comedy stuff. A lot of those are, yeah. Did you know this movie was nominated for three Oscars and won one? No. Guesses on what the three Oscar well, nominations set were? Set design, makeup, 
special effects, maybe costumes. Nominated for and won for best makeup, nominated for best costume design, and best art de decoration, set decoration. So yeah. What do you think of the makeup? Not just uh, obviously. I mean, Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey's this is an achievement. Yeah. But the look of the Who's. Uh, it's a distinct look. You kind of had to do something like that. I would have liked to have seen Cindy Lou Who be a little more reminiscent of the cartoon. You know what? I actually think that works. So they have that throwaway line near the end from the mayor saying, why are you listening to this little girl? She hasn't even grown into her nose yet. And it makes you realize that she's the only one that's not in the makeup, which is, a, is an appropriate contrast for her because she is kind of the most human. You know, yeah. She's the one that's questioning all the commercialism. Uh, she's the little village socialist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's... it's Again, I think this is an enjoyable film. I guess we can kind of jump the gun a little bit. How would you rate this film? I know you really don't. I really part. don't like it. It's, you know, Jim Carrey, as I said, Jim Carrey's got some moments. Jim Carrey gives a good performance in a bad movie, would probably be the way I'd have, have to put it. Mm -hmm. For for all the reasons I listed, uh, it, it just, I find it an off-putting film. I dislike it. Yeah. So I'm going to give it one star. On the four-star four scale? scale, and maybe a three on the ten-star scale. So you like this marginally better than the Star Wars Christmas yeah, special? Yeah, we were talking about that, which is worse. The Star Wars Christmas special is objectively worse. Yeah. But I kind of would almost prefer watching it. <laughs> so I, I, granted, this morning I listened to our... I listened to that, that episode of the podcast this morning. Mm -hmm. In that episode, you said that you hope never to watch that, that show again. I don't think I'll ever watch this movie again. I mean, yep. the last time I see it. Yeah. It won't be the last time for me. I, I, again, I don't think this is a great movie. I would only give this two stars on the four-star scale. And on the ten-star scale, I would probably give it six stars. So, yeah, that's where I fall down on it. That doesn't mean I don't enjoy it. I think there are enjoyable six-star movies. You know, and two-star movies, you know, and good movies that right in that area. I like a good, bad movie. I just don't like a bad, bad movie. <laughs> I, I don't even know if I'd call this a good, bad movie. This is not a movie I watch annually, though. Oh. Which is interesting, considering how many movies I watch multiple times per year, especially Christmas movies. A Christmas Story, Home Alone, White Christmas, all of those I watch multiple times every Christmas. Now, this this was a big, big, big box office production. Are you very familiar with its budget? Well, it was like 123 million dollars. Yeah, exactly. That's 100, very 123. Expensive. I mean, I mean, especially for 2000. But granted, look at the sets they had to build all of yeah. those types of yeah, things. Yeah, nothing can be reused. Ron Howard's not going to be cheap. Jim yeah. Carrey's not going to be cheap. Especially you know. done. Yeah, exactly. Jim Carrey was probably 20 million or more. Yeah, for this part. So, do you know how this fared on on various levels? Uh, it did pretty good. I think it made something like three hundred forty-five million dollars worldwide. Total, yeah, worldwide gross, yeah. Which, given a hundred and twenty-three million dollar budget, is it's really solid. But I'd almost think it would be make more than that. Well, I think, especially Christmas movies, like you have to put them on a little bit of yeah. a different scale. They've got they've got a limited window. Yeah. So I think a, a Christmas movie that doubles its budget, you know, brings back at least that much in profits. I don't think anyone's going to be in the no. slightest disappointed. Plus this, I mean, if you start factoring in, 
you know, we're talking 2000. This is still back in the era of DVD rentals and yeah. Blockbuster and all of those types of things. You start factor, trying to factor in, you know, the TV deals, the DVD rentals, DVD sales, all of those types of things. This made Universal a lot of money. Yeah. In fact, it's probably still bringing in money. I'm sure it is. On yeah. not just TV deals, but streaming rights, all of those types of things. It's it's still got to be cranking some cash. And, and it did well enough that they made the freaking Cat in the Hat movie. Yeah. Which there's no way they would have done. Yeah. Uh, if this had not been a big success. Yeah. Well, and as you mentioned, they've returned to the property with the Benedict Cumberbatch version. I don't have too much else to say on this, do you? Not positive. Yeah. You can say negative things. No, I think I've pretty much uh, spoken my piece about this film. Yeah. Jim Carrey is good. The girl is good. The song is good. Everything else is crap. Well, I'm wrong. Including Jeffrey Tambor. Yeah, I I don't like that character at all. I like that guy. Yeah. I I think he's been in some funny stuff. Let me let me glance. He was Me too by the way. Oh, he was in Arrested Development. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's been in some other he's, stuff. Yeah, he's, he's a long-time worker. Uh, I did look, by the way. Cindy Lou Who is played by a young lady named Taylor Momsen. Yeah. Um, are you familiar with what she has done besides uh, that? She became uh, like a, a singer, and she was on Gossip Girl. Yep, and she did like the at least one of the Spy Kids movies. She did Underdog. She was still acting at least through 2014, though I don't see any credits for her past 2014. Well, I think Gossip Girl was still real. 2012 is when was, she, her, at least okay, she stops right. filming yeah, that. That's when I so, think wrapped up. Yeah. Another just brief mentions of some people in the cast. Uh, Anthony Hopkins is the narrator. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So what this made me think of is another film that came out in the year 2000 that incorporated very briefly... Anthony Hopkins, who was probably on set for one or two days. Mission Impossible 2. Oh, yeah. Which also sucks. <laughs> so they had Anthony Hopkins, the venerable Anthony Hopkins, paid money to lend a little bit of gravitas to crappy projects from the millennium. And then the actor who played the young Grinch in the flashback sequences was Joseph Ryan Evans, who is best known as playing uh, a little person named Timmy on the gothic uh, soap opera Passions. And on that show, he was the assistant of a witch, played by Juliet Mills, who was the lead in the movie Avante. Yeah. Joseph Ryan Evans died, uh, complications from heart surgery, at the age of 20 in 2002. Now, just for reference, just because I know you like this person, I put on, I pulled up for you the Roger Ebert review. Two stars. Yep. Roger Ebert tolerated it more than I did. Yep. I think probably in 2000 you would have given this at least two stars. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if there's nothing else, I'm Rob. And I'm Nate. And this is Rob and Nate Record a Podcast. And First theme. off, I want to I want to commend you for the brilliant out-of-the-box idea of doing Christmas movies in December. All right. <laughs> um, now I forgot where I was going. <laughs> Throwing you off your game. Um, know who uh, else was uh, considered for the role of the Grinch? Who? Tom Hanks. I don't think that would. That's got to just be the fact that Ron Howard was involved. Yeah. It's like I like to work with Tom Hanks. With well, and they've been doing so much at this point. Yeah, that uh, that would not have worked. Eddie Murphy, maybe. It might have worked. That's about the closest. It would have been a very different beast. If, yeah, it would have been. Yeah. And I don't know if you would have done the taxi gag, or would you have done the taxi gag with? Uh, it's because I'm green, isn't it?
<laughs> and then you I know this movie um, it has little homages to a lot of mm-hmm. other films. We were talking about the uh, Chariots of Fire gag. It's like yeah. a, a little kid seeing this in 2000 might get the Chariots of Fire uh, yeah. reference because he probably has heard that music and other things back at that time. Yeah. But a, a kid watching this in 2020, he has no idea what that's a reference yeah. to. Well, there's also references to um, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, the cat jumping out. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm blanking on some of the others, but yeah, there's there's homages to a lot of films in this. So, they're real sh- sh- and short. There's and a, there's an homage to the director himself. Oh, yeah. Well, there's... I don't know what they're... That's a straight homage or if they're trying to poke fun at him a little bit. But, yeah, there's... It, that's... He wore a hat just like that on Apollo 13. Mm. So... So, where the Grinch is doing this kind of director shtick uh, with Max, he, he does it as Ron Howard, basically. In the Grinch costume. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. And then, uh, lastly, in terms of actors considered to play the part of the Grinch, this would have been kind of uh, out of left field but might have worked Dustin Hoffman I don't think it would have this is is what makes me think it might have he was Hook and that was out of the blue weird casting and he was up to it because he's Dustin Hoffman Yeah, he might have been able to pull it off but I don't imagine Dustin Hoffman would be willing to sit through that well but here's the thing though is I don't think this movie works without all the quirky things that Jim Carrey throws into it Dustin Hoffman can't do as many of those, or yeah. wouldn't be doing as many wouldn't of those physical gags. Wouldn't be doing the, the riffing. And, you know, yeah. and Eddie Murphy or Robin Williams could do the riffing. Yeah. But uh, Dustin Hoffman, probably not so much. Certainly not Tom Hanks. Yeah. It would have been downright an inappropriate casting choice. Again, this is kind of an homage back to uh, our Bad Santa episode. Maybe Dennis Leary? Maybe Dennis Leary. I mean, it would have been... That wouldn't have worked with a $123 million budget. Mm. Um, because it would not have been I mean I guess maybe you could have edited him enough to make it a clean movie at some point but <laughs> <laughs> yeah he he could have uh, done some of those performance aspects I'd but. kind of like to see an R-rated cut of this you know if if, <laughs> if, uh, if Robin if, if uh, Jim Carrey was allowed to if they had like profanity shots yeah stitch sure those they, together into a film I'm sure that they have to exist somewhere mm-hmm I'm, from 2000, you don't think they get rid of their archives. No. They've got to have those somewhere. So, I forgot to ask you this, actually, in the the main podcast. You're the one that picked this out. Yeah, I think I kind of did. But but you, you, you talk about it enough that I'm like, if we're going to do it, we should do it for an anniversary year. Yeah. And I knew this was eventually going to end up in the podcast. I'm like, let's pull the plug. Let's okay. do it this year. Yeah, that works. That's a reasonable enough explanation. Mm-hmm.